Well, good morning. Thank you for being here today, and uh, it's my privilege and my pleasure to stand before you today, and uh, it might be kind of weird to end a marriage series talking about being single, but I think it's a very, very important message that needs to be declared. And I'm actually aiming for some people today, and I want to just go up front and be, or be up front and tell you who, who I'm aiming for. First of all, I'm aiming for all of the middle schoolers and especially high schoolers who you've just got to have a guy in your life or you've got to have a girl in your life in order to be happy. If you don't have a boyfriend, if you don't have a girlfriend, you just don't feel fulfilled. So, so I will just be up front with you. I'm aiming for you today. Also aiming for the college students. I'm aiming for the college students because a lot of you not only go to college trying to get a degree, you also go to college trying to get a mate. And I get that. That's where I found my wife. Uh, I went to Carson Newman College. I met this Yankee at Carson Newman College. And I fell in love. And so I understand that. But I just want you to know if you're a college student and you're not yet married, I'm aiming for you today. I'm also aiming for those of you who are out of college and you didn't find your mating at school. And you're in your late 20s or you're in your 30s and it's like, okay, all of my friends are getting married. I'm getting tired of getting wedding invitations. I'm getting tired of being, you know, at the wedding but not in the wedding. And, and so I'm aiming for you because I know that's a stressful thing and a hard thing to go through. And so I'm aiming for you today. If you're single and you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or whatever and you haven't found Mr. Right, you haven't found Miss Right, then, then I'm aiming for you today. I'm, I'm also aiming for some other folks though. I'm aiming for you if you're a parent and you've got a teenager or you've got a college student or you've got somebody in their 20s or 30s and, and they're not yet married. I'm aiming for you, especially parents, I'm aiming for you if you continually say to your college student, you haven't found anybody yet. I'm especially aiming for grandparents also. Grandparents who every year at Christmas Honey, what's wrong? You hadn't found anybody? You got a boyfriend? You got a girlfriend? I'm aiming for you grandparents today. I just want to tell you that. I'm aiming for you. Tell you who else I'm aiming for. I'm not trying to be funny here, but I'm aiming at, at those of you who are widowed, widowers. Because you, it's been a year or two now since you've lost your spouse and you're trying to figure out, should I get remarried? Do I want to stay single? Should, should, I, should I find somebody? Should I go out with him? Should I marry her? And, and so I'm aiming for you today. And then finally, here's the other group that I'm aiming for. I'm aiming for you if you've got a friend or a co-worker who is single. And you've been tempted to say, you know what? I know somebody. I did that one time and I regretted it. <clears throat> so, I hope I pretty much covered everybody. I'm aiming for you today, all right? Now, I do a lot of reading in my sermon prep, and one of the books that I have examined recently is a very popular book by Gary Thomas called Sacred Marriage. It's sold over half a million copies, so it's a good book. not trying to be critical of it. However, as I was perusing the chapter titles this week, I noticed something that began to disturb me. Uh, as in the table of contents, he has the chapter title. Then under that, in, italic, in italics, he kind of explains what the chapter is about. So let me just read some of the chapter titles and the description. And the more I read it, 
the more disturbed I became. Here's what he said. Chapter 2, Romanticism's Ruse. Here's his, his uh, explanation. How marriage points us to true fulfillment. Chapter 4, Learning to Love. How marriage teaches us to love. Chapter 5, Holy Honor is the chapter title. Here's the description. Marriage teaches us to respect others. Chapter 6, The Soul's Embrace. Here's the description. Good marriage can foster good prayer. Chapter 11, Make Me a Servant. Here's the description. Marriage can build, us, marriage can build in us a servant's heart. Chapter 13, Sacred Presence. Here's the description. How marriage can make us more aware of God's presence. Chapter 14, Sacred Mission. The description, marriage can develop our spiritual calling, mission, and purpose. As I read about all that marriage can do, I began to ask the question, but what if I'm single? Do I just miss out on all of those things simply because I'm not married? Am I less of a person, less of a Christian, if I'm single? I mean, it sounds like from this book that the only way to really experience full life is to experience married life. We live in a world that is telling us that we need to be married in order to be complete. Too often, we have labeled being single as plan B for the Christian life. Well-meaning people, well-meaning mamas, well-meaning dads, well-meaning grandparents say things like this. Well, as soon as you're satisfied with God alone, He will bring somebody special into your life. Some of you probably have told your son or daughter that or your grandchild. Or they say things like this. Before you can marry somebody wonderful, the Lord has to make you into somebody wonderful. The implication behind these statements is simply this, that singleness is something that needs to be fixed. That if we get you right, then maybe you'll find Mr. Right. Singleness, they, it seems to imply that singleness is something we need to try to overcome. So as soon as the Lord does His work in you, then eventually He'll bring somebody to you. Marriage or singleness is something you try to overcome. But has it ever occurred to you has it ever occurred to you that Jesus was single his entire life? Hello? I wonder at family gatherings if he had anybody who said, you met anybody yet? <laughs> In Jewish society, there was a pressure for every Jew to build a family and build a legacy. In Jewish society, your legacy was tied to your offspring. It was tied to your family and the children that you had. And yet, in that very society, here was Jesus, a Jew, who was never married. And yet, he lived the most complete, God-honoring life anyone has ever lived, and no one has ever had a greater legacy than him. He was single, he was 33, and he was never married. Let that sink in. He was single, he was 33, and he was never married. And nobody has ever, none of us combined have, have done with our lives what he did with his. As a single man. You know, we, we tell our kids, and I've really gotten convicted about this as I studied it this week. I, I've really had to deal with some things in my own heart this week. We, we tell our kids, God's got somebody special just for you. 
what if he doesn't? Is that okay? We tell our kids, you know, there's someone for everyone. That's not in the Bible. It's just not. In fact, it is the exact opposite of what's in the Bible. Just listen to this verse. I'm not even going to tell you where it is yet. But just listen to this verse, and then I'll tell you where it is. Here's what's in the Bible. Here's what this writer says. Now to the unmarried, listen to, all right, so this is the unmarried, the singles. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. Paul didn't say, Paul wrote these words, Paul didn't say, God's got somebody for everybody. No, Paul said just the opposite. Paul said, you know what, it's actually good for you if you can stay unmarried as I am. Now, now this was written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, greatest missionary the world's ever known. The Apostle Paul, who started churches all over the known world at that time. The Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, who, oh yeah, he was single his entire life. You see, Paul is going to make a case in the text I'm going to give you in a moment. Paul is going to make a case that singleness is not something to avoid at all cost. But actually, singleness can be a desirable option for your life. Singleness is not something that you ought to be ashamed of or run from. Paul is going to make the case singleness is actually something you should embrace if that's where you find yourself. Now, the text we're going to look at today is Written by Paul, the man who was single his entire life. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians chapter 7. <clears throat> now, here's how he begins this chapter. Now for the matters you wrote about. You need to understand that this begins a new section in the book. The letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Paul wrote the first half, the first six chapters, and he was addressing problems in the church. Beginning in chapter 7, he begins to address questions that they had sent him. Remember now, this was before they had the New Testament. It was before they had the Scriptures as we know it. And so these new Christians in Corinth were saying, you know what, I, I still got a lot of questions. I, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm still trying to figure out what that means and what that looks like. And so they wrote Paul a letter and said, Paul, we got a lot of questions, and here they are. They had questions about marriage. They had questions about sex. They had questions about the Lord's Supper. They had questions about the resurrection. They had all kinds of questions. They just wrote them out. They sent them a letter and said, sometime could you answer these for us? And so Paul, in this letter, when he gets to chapter 7, from chapter 7, verse 1, through the rest of the letter, Paul is simply answering their questions. He's addressing the questions that they had. And it's very, very interesting to me that the very first question, out of all the questions that they asked Paul, the very first questions that he answered were about marriage and sex and being single. Chapter 7. That's what he talks about. He gives them... <clears throat> 
he gives them two things in this chapter. I wish we had time to look at the whole chapter, but, but we're just going to focus on singleness today. And so he gives them two things to, to think about regarding being single. So being single when most of the people around you are not, how do you handle that? How do you handle being single when most of the people around you are not? Well, what's, is it okay to be single? Paul, we got that question. Is it okay to be single? Does everybody have to have a husband? Does everybody have to have a wife in order to be fulfilled? Paul, explain singleness to us. And so Paul does that. There's two things that he tells us. I want you to write these down. There's two things that he tells us about being single in a married world. First thing he says is this. Being single in a married world can be a good thing. Being single in a married world can be a good thing. Look in chapter 7, verse 8. Now to the unmarried, or to the singles, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is what? What's that next word? It is what, church? Good, underline that, mark that. It is good for them to stay unmarried or to stay single as I am. Paul says this is a good thing. I know you're confused. I know you're wondering if it's okay, but it's a good thing. Stay single as I am. Now skip on down to verse 32. I would like for you to be free of concern. And then he goes on to describe, compares an unmarried person to a married person. He says... An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Somebody that's single, unmarried man, is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But in comparison to that, a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. Then he goes on to talk in the next verse about an unmarried woman or a single woman. An unmarried woman or a single woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. And then his conclusion in verse 35, I'm saying this for your own what? For your own good. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you. I'm not trying to tell you you can't get married. Not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way I'm concerned about the way that you're handling this idea of being being single. I want you to live in the right way, and here's what I mean by that, in undivided devotion to the Lord. I'll summarize for you what Paul says there. Paul says it's easier, listen church, he says it's easier for a single person to be single-minded in the things of the Lord. It's easier for a single person to be single-minded in relation to the things of the Lord. Now, the married person has no choice. His or her interests must be divided, will be divided, will always be divided. Now, I I can prove this to you. Finish this sentence. Happy wife... Yeah, we all know that, right? Happy wife, happy life. You know what that, that statement implies? It implies when you have a wife your attention is going to be focused on making her happy, meeting her needs, taking care of her, and and that's the way it should be, and that's the way it will be. Happy wife, happy life, your your attention is divided. You've only got so much attention span. You only have so much hours in the day. You're going to have to give some of that to your wife, and then you'll give some of that to the Lord. Same for the ladies. 
I, I tried to come up with happy husband, happy, I couldn't come up with anything. And what I did come up with, you don't want to know about. So, <laughs> and, and so, but, but it's the same thing, isn't it, ladies? You, your attention is divided because you're trying to take care of the, your home. You're trying to take care of your husband. You're trying to make sure his needs are met. You're trying to make sure he's happy. And then watch this. Everybody watch this. Once you get past that phase and you start having kids, then all of a sudden your schedule is crazy. All of a sudden, your life is crazy. All of a sudden, you have no time. And somewhere in there, you've got to fit the Lord in. Somewhere in there, you've got to have time to read your Bible. Somewhere in there, you've got to be devoted to God too. Now, here's Paul's statement. Here's Paul's claim. Here's what Paul is teaching. A single person doesn't have to worry about that. A single person doesn't have that kind of constraint. A single person is not divided in, in their allegiance. That's why, that's why Paul refers to singleness as a gift from God. Now, if you're single and you don't want to be, you may not feel like this is a gift. And I get that. But let's just see what the Scripture teaches about it. Chapter 7, verse 7. He says, I wish that all men were as I am. That is, I wish that all men were single like me. But each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Paul was simply saying, listen, I really wish that you didn't have to worry about being married. I really wish that you could be single like me. I really wish that you had this gift. But I understand, Paul would say, I understand that not everybody has that gift. Not everybody can, can live a single life in sexual purity. Some people are burning with passion. They need to get married so they can live a, a, a sexually pure life. And Paul says, I get that. Not everybody has that gift. He's implying in this text that being single and living a sexually pure life is a gift from the Lord. Now, it's interesting, something that we read last Sunday that we didn't get a chance to deal with, but Jesus said much the same thing. Go put your finger there in 1 Corinthians 7. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 19. Last Sunday, we were looking at this text, Matthew chapter 19. We were looking at this text, and Jesus is talking about divorce in this text. He says something about divorce that stunned his disciples. And then I want you to see their response to what he said. And so let's look at the text. Matthew chapter 19, verse 8. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Now, the disciples who heard that struggled with what they heard. Look at verse 10. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it is better not to marry. It's better not to marry. Here, watch this. Everybody look up here. They're listening to what he said about marriage and adultery, and they, their eyes get really big, and they say, Well, if that's the case, it would be better not to, not to get married. I mean, if that's what's hanging in the balance, if, 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 it just would be better not even to risk it. It'd just be better not to get married. Now, watch how Jesus responded to this. 
Jesus replied, verse 11, not everyone can accept this word. Now, he wasn't talking about the word that he had spoken about uh, divorce and adultery. He was talking about the word that they had spoken, that maybe it's best that we not get married. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been, what's that word? Given. Jesus basically said, you know what, you're right. You're right, it's probably better not to marry. But not everybody has that gift. Both Paul and Jesus are saying the same thing, that singleness and sexual purity is a gift from the Lord. And listen to this, church, listen to this. God's gifts always have a purpose. God doesn't just give you that gift just because uh, i got to do something. No, he gives you that gift with a purpose. What would his purpose be? Well, look at verse 32, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Look at verse 32. Here's what he says. I would like you to be free from concern, Paul says, An unmarried man or a single man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How he can please the Lord. Maybe that's God's purpose right now. That you can learn how to please the Lord. Look at verse 34. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. Look at verse 35. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you might live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. Could it be that the reason that God has given you this gift of singleness for this season of your life is because he's working in your life to do something that you would have an undivided devotion to him so that he could do something through your life for others? Think of the advantages of being single. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I love being married. I love being married. I love my wife. I love being married. But there are advantages to being single. I'm going to give you three of them. Number one, you can change your plans at a moment's notice when you're single. You can change your plans. You know what? When you're single, you don't have to ask your wife, is this all right? When you're single, you don't have to ask your husband, are we doing anything tonight? When you're single, you're in charge of your schedule. That is a blessed thing. Sweet memories. Number two, another advantage of being single is that you can concentrate on ministries or ministry in a way that a married person can't. You can concentrate on ministry in ways that a married person can't. You can give your whole focus to a ministry when that married person is giving their focus to their husband or their wife or their children. You can concentrate on doing a ministry in a way that a married person can't. Number three, you can go wherever God leads you. You're not tied down. You're not tied down to a place. You're not tied down to a home. You're not tied down to a person. You can go wherever God leads you. You're not tied down. About a year ago, maybe a little more than that, but about a year ago, I had the opportunity to go to Vietnam. It was a wonderful trip. I I, I love being in Vietnam. While I was there, I met one of our IMB missionaries. I'm going to call her Vicky. That was not her real name. Because she's serving... As a missionary in a communist country, I'm not going to tell you the city we were in or what her real name was, but Vicky is serving the Lord as, as a missionary in this communist country, and 
She's probably, I'm not sure exactly, she's probably in her mid to late 20s. Um, we had a lot of people at this restaurant. There's a long table. A lot of people were there. Vicky happened to be sitting across the table from me. Long, blonde, curly hair. You know how she got there to the restaurant that day? In this major city there in Vietnam? On her scooter. That's her method of transportation, rain or shine. Just happened to be raining that day, so when she got to the restaurant, she took off her helmet, and that blonde curly hair was soaked, and her clothes were soaked. She sat down across from me, and, and it was just, it wasn't the pastor's heart that went out to her, it was the daddy's heart that went out to her. Because she was about the age of my daughter, and I looked at her, and I thought, I wouldn't want my daughter living by herself in this major communist city driving a scooter through the city all by herself, living here all by herself, serving all by herself. I wouldn't want my daughter to do this. I didn't tell her that, but that's what I was thinking. But I did begin to talk to her about, you know, the stupid stuff sometimes that, Vicki, you got anybody in your life? Open foot. Open mouth, insert foot. I don't. Think, I didn't exactly say it that way. That, but but I I got to that topic, you know. And she told me. No, she wasn't dating anybody. No, she wasn't engaged. No, there was no man in her life. She said, "I'd like to settle down and get married one day. I'd like to meet a man. I'd like to settle down. I'd like to get married." And then she said. But I really believe this is where God wants me to be right now. I keep up with Vicki. Uh, she sends out an email newsletter. And I got a newsletter last month. And guess what? She just re-enlisted for another two years. To serve in that country. Because that's where God wants her. Right now. My point is simply this. Don't think of singleness as a disability. Shake yourself loose from the ideas of the world that you're never going to be complete and you're never going to be happy unless you're married. Paul says in verse 35, if you're single, you have an opportunity that others don't have and take advantage of that opportunity. Look at it in verse 35. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you. If you want to get married, you can. That's what he's saying. But that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. You have an opportunity that others don't have. Take advantage of that. You see, being single in a married world is a good thing. Number two, it won't take as long as the first point. Number two, being single in a married world may be a God thing. It may be a God thing. See, one of the biggest struggles singles sometimes stress over is whether or not they've messed up God's plan for their lives. Maybe I took a wrong turn somewhere. Maybe I went to the wrong college. If I had gone to this one instead of that one, maybe I would have met her. Maybe I took the wrong job. Maybe I blew it when I told him no or when I told her no. Maybe I've missed God's will. Maybe that's why I'm single. 
Well, dear friend, if that's you, would you look at the scripture with me? Would you look in chapter 7, verse 17? Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. Retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him or to her and to which God has called him or her. Verse 25, now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned, but, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you of this. You see, let me ask you a question. What if? What if your marital status right now is not an accident? What if this is God's plan for you, at least right now? If you think your married friends are better off and that God has overlooked you, then you're going to go through life miserable. But if you know that you're right where God wants you to be, you can be happy in this season of life. What if this is not only a good thing, what if this is a God thing? You see, I really believe you can change the way you feel about being single by changing the way you think about being single. Staying unmarried like Paul is good. Getting married is also good. You're not super spiritual if you stay single. You're not super spiritual if you get married. Paul says, if you read the whole chapter, Paul says, listen, you know, if you want to get married, get married. If you want to be single, be single. But live in such a way that you can live with undivided devotion to the Lord. Each person has their own calling from the Lord and So if he gives you a chance to get married and you want to get married, go for it. But if that opportunity does not come your way, even though you wish it would, then live out your calling as best you can, faithful to the Lord God. It might be for a season, it might be for a lifetime, but you lean into it for the glory of God. Don't let your marital status determine your life status. Just remind yourself, This could be a God thing. This could be a God thing. You see, we tend to obsess over the things we don't have. We tend to obsess over that thing that we so desperately want. And maybe for some of you today, or those of you listening online, maybe it's time to change the narrative. Stop seeking a person to make you happy. Stop seeking a person to make you fulfilled. Refocus your attention on your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and live your life for Him and for His glory. I'm going to summarize it this way and then I'm going to close. Listen to me. Up in the balcony, down here on the lower floor, listen to me. The more I've studied chapter 7, the more I've come to realize you really shouldn't seek to be single, nor should you seek to be married. Just live your life for God every day and see what He does with it.
favorite scripture I think applies here as well as it would anywhere else. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. But if you're single, don't look at it as a liability. Look at it, look at it as an opportunity to serve the Lord in a way you wouldn't be able to serve Him if you were married. And if you have a daughter or a grandson who is single, stop pushing them to get married. Let the Lord work in their life. Start encouraging them to use this time to serve Him wholeheartedly. Let's pray about that. God, thank you for reminding me as I've looked at your word, as I have struggled through it, as I have been challenged by it. Thank you for reminding me that singleness is not something that needs to be fixed. But even in our singleness, we have opportunities we would never have if we were married. And so we just want to be surrendered to you. We want our lives to be yours whether we're married or whether we're single, whether we're widowed or divorced, we want our lives to be yours. We pray that in this time, you'd continue to work in us and challenge us to follow you 100%. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.